0: Welcome to Whole and Holy, the podcast from Bethel Seminary. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary. And for this episode, I'm joined by Kara Wald. Kara Wald has served in a variety of roles at Bethel within the Human Resources Department for the last 22 years. Uh, She serves as the Chief Human Resources and Strategy Officer. She leads that that group. She does Title IX coordination, uh, partnership in all sorts of other ways with cabinet colleagues. Uh, she does a whole lot of things around around Bethel University. And so I'm delighted that you're joining us on Whole and Holy. Welcome to Whole and Holy, Kara.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I wanted to have you on today, Kara, because uh, as I think some of our listeners know, I was a pastor for four and a half years before I came back to Bethel as dean. And one of the things that I found. In, in that time was that a number of the things that I spent time doing as a pastor were not things that my seminary education had prepared me for. Mm. And one of those things was human resources kinds of things. So a few years ago, I know you were embroiled in this, but the, the federal government said they were going to make changes to the Fair Labor Standards Act. And that was going to change over time and all these kinds of things. There was a whole bunch of discussion about whether this affected churches or not. And I was doing all sorts of research and my father is a labor law attorney. So he said, you do need to pay attention to this, but he had been retired for a number of years. So I, I did all this research on this. I didn't know anything about it. I had to start from scratch. In the end, of course, they changed their minds and didn't <laughs> do something. And so I want to know where I go to get my hours back from all that, uh, <laughs> all that work I did. But what I realized in that was... There were no resources that I was aware of that really were helpful for people like me, people who are not human resources experts, but who nevertheless have to do this well. We we have to be in compliance. The church is responsible for these, these things. So I thought it'd be good to have a conversation with you about one aspect of human resources things, and that is hiring and terminations, because I think more than the Fair Labor Standards Act, this is an area that could get churches in trouble if they don't do this well. And so I thought it'd be good to to have a conversation, and we want to... I think churches want to do this well, not just for legal reasons, but also because we care for people. and mm-hmm. we want to we want to do this well. But I think many pastors and ministry leaders feel like they don't have the resources. They don't know what they don't know and they don't know what to do, what not to do, that sort of thing. So I'm glad that you can help us out with that and and be a part of this uh, conversation today.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad to be here. I know that uh, topics like hiring, uh, can be daunting uh, for individuals that don't do that necessarily on a daily basis. And I think perhaps uh, in churches, uh, whether it's a large church or a small church, um, you're, you're maybe only doing hiring once or twice a year. And so it beca- can become difficult to, to track, you know, what is the best way to do this. Um, part of what I hope to provide your listeners at the conclusion of this podcast are a couple of real tangible tools uh, and templates for individuals to use um, to help them understand best practices for interviews, uh, different interview type of questions, uh, ways to think about interviews. So, so uh, stay tuned <laughs> for the end of the podcast and click on those links because uh, I think they'll be helpful. When I think about interviewing, I like to think about it um, both in the the actual interviewing environment that you create for individuals. As well as the questions that you're asking. Mm, because one okay. thing that we need to remember is uh, individuals are interviewing us mm. as much as we are interviewing them. Sure. And so are they feeling at home in the interview? Are they feeling comfortable in the interview? Yeah. Unfortunately, what can sometimes happen is a way of trying to make people feel comfortable, we delve into those topics that we should probably <laughs> stay away from. And so, it is important, as much as especially in in an organization like Bethel University that that cares about the whole person, as as the church does. It is really caref- important to stay away from topics like age, marital status, how many kids do you have, um, and there'll be a full list of those items, Peter, on the the document that I'll provide. Uh, but rather, um, think about ways to warm up to candidates. Um, that are focused more on the job that okay. you're interviewing them for, as opposed to personal characteristics.
0: How does that work when a ministry context? I mean, I, I get that at a place like mm-hmm. Bethel,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where there's a, a pretty sharp distinction between personal and professional. Mm-hmm. But a church is different in the sense that when you're when you're a, a pastoral staff member, for example. How one's one's relationship with family is mm-hmm. pointed to character that matters in mm-hmm. terms of of doing the job, and and part of what the church is interested in is knowing how is is there a family, and how is it going to mm-hmm. how is the family going to fit mm-hmm. in to the 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 church, and mm-hmm. and so to to know that is there is there any way to get at those things or is that is that just so completely off base that we have to focus it solely on a professional thing and it it makes it seem artificial in a way mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. trying to hire when when a church you really are joining a family
1: mm-hmm. in a
0: sense and and so people want to know what who they're bringing in mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I think part of that peter goes back to the actual job description for the role uh, so for example, if you're hiring a senior pastor for a church, um, it is in some churches understood that um, the pastor's spouse uh, is an integral part mm-hmm. um, of the church, of the the senior pastor role. And so in a sense, it's, it's almost a two for one right. uh, when you're hiring. And so um, if that is detailed a bit in the job description that the spouse is going to have um, a component, so to speak, in how um, the senior pastor role works. Um, then I think you can tailor um, job-specific questions surrounding okay. that. So, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, talk with me uh, in the past at, at other church or parachurch organizations. How you and your how you and your spouse have done ministry work together. Okay. What does that look like? Sure. For me, as opposed to. Uh, specifics of are you married, how long have you been married, and some of those pieces. You know, if it is about in the role, the family doing life together with the church, then you want to talk about how that's looked in the past, uh, because past behavior is a great indicator of future behavior.
0: That's really helpful. And I'm assuming that in the job description, though, if if one were to put that there, presumably you'd have to say something like, you know, spouse, if if applicable mm-hmm. kind of thing, so mm-hmm. that we're not, mm-hmm. uh, unless the church is saying you have to be married to be... Right,
1: which I would not recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is that legal? Um, that is not legal.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good good for our listeners to know <laughs> that if they're thinking they want to put that in, they shouldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. But so then that would be, I guess, important to say that, you know, if applicable, but then, then you could say, presumably... So have have you and your spouse done this? And they say, mm-hmm. "I'm not married." You just mm-hmm. move on to other things. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Or I I a lot of times have things more uh, more broadly uh, spoken. So rather than pointing to a spouse or to a a child um, to say, you know, how how have you and and those that you're closest to as a part of the church um, been involved in the church in the past? It might end up being um, an individual that. Uh, has el- has parents. Mm. You know, we live in the sandwich generation, and yeah. so, um, so I try to part of it when you think about um, family status is to not think about it in a preset prescribed way um, that sets people up into boxes, but to think about it a little bit more broadly. That's
0: really helpful. That's that's great. So what? What are the things, I mean, maybe some of our listeners are saying, what are the things that are going to get me in trouble? (laughs) The the idea that you can't ask or you shouldn't ask uh, or or require that they be married. Mm -hmm. What are some other things to really Mm -hmm. watch out for? So you mentioned what not to ask in Mm -hmm. interviews about Mm -hmm. things like family, things that aren't Mm -hmm. job description related. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that are going to get churches and pastors and boards into trouble?
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I think asking specific questions about whether or not they're a citizen asking questions concerning their race or ethnicity, um, concerning their age, um, uh, you know, veteran status, some of those pieces. Um, there are ways at um, understanding how those dynamics might affect someone in a job, but mm-hmm. you uh, really need to stay away from those categories. I think the challenge for for many of us who do interviewing, and I'm suspecting for the listeners as well, is that... Uh, in a church organization, because they understand that it's the whole person applying for the job, they're going to probably bring up these categories on their own. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And so so if I was in the listener, I'd wonder, what do you do with that? What do you do with that yeah. when, when someone brings that up? And so the key is to listen, um, but to not delve in too deeply and ask a ton of follow-up questions in that area. So it's information that they've chosen to provide with you. Okay. Um, uh, so you can think about that, but you just don't want to probe in those specific areas.
0: Okay. So what about something like you talked about immigration status? I know that if if someone is not a U.S. citizen, they can be sponsored uh, to to work in the United States, and and there might be churches or ministry agencies mm-hmm. that choose to do that. Sure. But obviously, you need to know that, <laughs> and that 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 you're going to have to do that. So if you can't ask that question, how do you how do you find that out? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you know?
1: You know, many times an individual later in the interviewing process will choose to disclose that information because okay. if they are really interested in that position and recognize that their present legal status might prevent them from working in the US without a sponsorship, they'll bring that up as a part of the hiring process. Okay. And so they, I think I can count maybe, I can think of only my 22 years of experience where where a person didn't disclose that, mm. and it was a surprise okay. <laughs> upon their start date. Uh, I think we need to give our candidates a bit more credit. You know, they want to be in partnership with us. They want to be a part of the church. Um, they'll bring it up when the time is right.
0: Okay. Now, I've heard that people said the interview begins really when the candidate walks in the room. Is mm-hmm. that is that correct?
1: Yeah, that is really correct. Um, they're viewing, if you think of yourself in the candidate's shoes, the minute you walk into that building, the minute that you're interacting with the, the person who's welcoming you, they recognize that people are already watching. Hmm. And so uh, because of that, uh, it's important for us as interviewers to remember that as well. So when we think about the environment that we're setting up for people. Um, Do we have, do we have water or coffee to offer them at the start of the interview? Um, Are we introducing ourselves? So if it's a group interview, you know, maybe there are several pastors that are going to be interviewing a new worship director. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, are we taking time to introduce ourselves and to really get that candidate comfortable in the setting? But the interview really starts at the beginning. And and that's especially critical with those those areas that we can't ask about.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. That I, I could imagine that trying to put a candidate at ease. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back to my own experiences, and I'm sort of cringing a little bit because I've, <laughs> I've probably violated these things. But but um, you know, you're you're wanting to put the candidate at ease, so you you talk about things that are not mm-hmm. job related, but. Mm-hmm are comfortable for them. But mm-hmm. now I'm realizing we shouldn't be doing that mm-hmm. since the interview begins mm-hmm. when they walk mm-hmm. in the room. So,
1: Well, and sometimes what I do is I talk about, I ask them about things that are a part of their experience okay. getting to the interview. So um, things, I hope the traffic was okay for you. It mm. was really busy for me when I came in. Um, weather is always a safe topic. And I know <laughs> that it sounds, um, sounds kind of boring and impersonal, but the candidate is, is, Trying to figure out how you communicate, mm. and so even if it's about a topic that isn't necessarily deeply personal, they're getting a sense for how that rapport or communication back and forth is going.
0: Okay, great. Well, let's talk about the other end of things. Oh, uh, yes, <laughs> less uh, less happy, perhaps. But if a, a church decides they need to to let someone go for whatever reason, whether it's mm-hmm. and, and maybe there are differences here, but what. What do they need to be concerned about with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind mm-hmm. of what kind of things should they be considering in terms of documentation or, or mm-hmm. all these sorts of things? What's mm-hmm. going to get them in trouble on that end?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so I have two mottos that I follow um, on on that front. The first is uh, no surprises. Okay. And so it's important to have conversation um, often. Um, and it's important to have that conversation and, and relay that feedback um, really almost immediately after you're noticing a particular behavior or set of actions that's occurred. Um, I'm speculating that many of our listeners may have children or they may have pets. And so if you think about how you um, work in those kinds of situations, um, it doesn't do any good um, if your dog has made a mess in the house, if you come back two weeks later mm,
0: <laughs> sure. to
1: try to do that and the same with children. you know you want as as humans, we want to have corrective uh, feedback soon. We mm-hmm. don't want to know about it two weeks uh, from now. Sure. So I think my number one is no surprises. Uh, my number two is is that if it if it's not written down, you can't prove it happened. okay. And so, even in those verbal conversations that you have with your team members, um, many times what I do is after those touchpoint conversations, where I'm just maybe giving some uh, feedback that's constructive criticism. We should probably do it differently next time. Whether it's a note to a file, or sometimes I'll even do a follow up email mm. back to my co- back to my employee. Where I'll say, you know, just wanted to confirm what we talked about this morning. Um, if next time we could proceed this way instead of that way, um, that would be a preferred step. That way, again, there's no surprises and you have documentation that you can point to uh, going backwards.
0: So if there were an incident in a in a church where uh, someone, whether it was grounds for termination or not, mm-hmm. but you were, mm-hmm. were wanting to document it, what if it's kind of a you know, he said, she said, or he said, he said, you know, my view versus your view. They dispute that the -hmm. event happened or happened the Mm -hmm. way that the person is, Mm -hmm. is saying, how does that need to be documented in terms of that? Or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you write a a note to file, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: do you just document that the conversation took place and, and I, as the supervisor said this, do you record what they said? Is Mm -hmm. that necessary? How Mm -hmm. does that work?
1: Yeah. I don't advise recording. Um, I'm, and, I'm sorry, I didn't mean yeah. literally. Okay, a, a
0: recor- I'm just saying documenting. Sure, sure. Document. Uh, so writing mm-hmm. it down and saying mm-hmm. this is sure. this is what happened.
1: Yeah, I recommend uh, documenting the full conversation, and uh, because it is important what how the employee responds to the okay. situation, it's part of the reason why if I am in a situation where unfortunately it's grounds for immediate termination, I always have one meeting with the person before I actually have the meeting where I let them go. It is really important to hear how the employee responds and to see if there is any other information hmm. uh, that comes out. So I do, I do document all sides of it. Um, in the end, as, as the leader of the church or as the um, leader of the ministry, you just have to make you do have to make a judgment call and um, you know, based on your wisdom, make a decision on uh, whether or not the refuting evidence is credible or not. Um, and sometimes what I even do, Peter, is if it's a case where it's a written warning, um, I'll a lot of times give the employee a chance to provide a written response. Mm. That is that's kept with the written warning. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that as a leader that we um, find that to be credible mm-hmm. but it's a chance to show that, again, there's two-way dialogue going on, um, even if there is a hard decision that needs to be made at the end.
0: Okay. So when it comes to... uh, I'm envisioning sort of two types of terminations. Mm -hmm. One is, you know, there might be budget realities that you have to say, we just can't continue to pay you. I mean, your position's Mm -hmm. been eliminated. Others would be for cause or... Mm -hmm. Well, maybe there's a third category. I mean, fit and that sort of thing. How does that work? I mean, if it's not a budget reality where you're saying we're limiting the position, we just can't afford you, but you're you're letting someone go either because of some sort of misconduct mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. they're just not they're not doing the job well mm-hmm. enough, they're mm-hmm. or they're not a good fit anymore for mm-hmm. changes in the mm-hmm. in the ministry, that sort of thing. Are those uh, do you have to have grounds spelled out beforehand that that the employee will know or or how does that work? I mean, surely you can't just say yeah, you're today you're done. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. um, uh, I decided I didn't like your performance and so you're mm-hmm. and so you're done. Uh, what what do people have to think about with respect to that?
1: Sure. Uh, So if you're thinking about um, the behavior in terms of what I would call some of the soft skills, um, professional conduct, um, communication style, uh, attendance, sometimes I know Mm. that's kind of a basic one, but (laughs) you'd be surprised even in the professional world how much that comes up. Mm. Um, That's where I think a three-phased approach uh, to coaching the person towards success is helpful having a written warning, or excuse me, having a verbal warning followed up um, with a written warning if needed. Mm -hmm. Um, The written warning template will be attached, but there'll be a date that you'll follow up. And then if necessary, a final written warning um, before you actually terminate um, the individual. Um, There are other cases though, where that's not appropriate. There's been some other sort of misconduct that's um, more severe in nature. Um, whereby you still maybe want to have that one meeting to mm-hmm. hear that other side of that person's story, um, but then immediate termination mm-hmm. is necessary at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a judgment call. Um, you know, we do live in in the state of Minnesota. We're an employment at will um, organization, so you can technically, on a legal basis, let someone go um, immediately. Mm. However, I caution against that because there are a number of different reasons that departing employees could point to, um, that may or may not be true, likely Mm -hmm. not, Mm -hmm. um, for the reason why you terminated them. So for example, if you terminate someone on the spot, um, they could point to their age or things of that nature. So I, I much prefer a multiple warning Mm -hmm. type of a piece, but there are those cases where you just need to be done. Sure. And, um, as long as the, in a sense, the the next step that you're doing matches the severity of the behavior; it's proportional. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be in you'll be in some safe harbor.
0: Just as a practical matter, when you say so, there's some serious misconduct, say, and mm-hmm. and you think that if this is true, it warrants termination. So you have that mm-hmm. conversation to get their side of the story, sure. see if it's true. That makes a lot of sense to me, but you don't believe their story, you, Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, Mm -hmm. four other people say something different. So you're, you're convinced that the, whatever they did happened. Right. And you said, so now we're still going to terminate. When you said, you know, you give them that opportunity, just as a practical matter, do you, at the end of that meeting, say, I've given you a chance to respond. I'm, I'm convinced this happened. So Mm -hmm. we are going to, need to terminate Mm -hmm. you? Or Mm -hmm. do you wait an hour, a day, or what, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or does it totally depend on circumstances?
1: You know, I, I, I know it could be frustrating for the listeners, but it really does depend on the circumstances. (laughs) It depends on the type of, of misconduct. If it's relational in nature, um, you may want to sleep on it overnight. Um, if it's a situation where, uh, the behavior is tied to, um, the core function of the business, so of the church. So for example, there's been theft involved or um, inappropriate use of electronic resources, things of that nature, where if you slept on it overnight, um, there could be further damage mm, done mm-hmm. to the organization. Mm-hmm. Then in those cases, I do actually, I hear their side and I do terminate on the spot. Okay. If it's something that uh, by virtue of just waiting a bit, um, in a sense, maybe to get your ducks in a row mm-hmm. um, for how you're going to do that. Who else you need to talk to? Then waiting overnight isn't um, isn't a bad thing.
0: Boy, that's helpful. Just to think about the impact on the organization mm-hmm. and and letting that be a guide. That's mm-hmm. that's helpful. Mm-hmm. What about some other practical considerations with that? I know you know in a in the business world um, they'll. Bring somebody in, and and whether they follow all these things or not, but you know, you, you at least you see it in in TV and movies mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. It's like, well, you're done. Go clean out your desk, mm-hmm. and security escorts mm-hmm. them out, carrying mm-hmm. their uh, carrying their box with them out the mm-hmm. out the door. What do you recommend in terms of things like that? Access to computers, if mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. thinking of. Ministry staff, they may have an office that's Mm -hmm. got more than just a a desk in a cubicle Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. How do you handle those kinds of things?
1: Sure. You know, I really like to approach things uh, in showing the utmost care and respect for individuals all the way up until the end. Um, Individuals maybe have made some choices um, that have resulted in these next steps, but I like to show as much care and compassion as possible. So again, depending upon the nature of the termination, I like to provide the opportunity to say, you know, your work is done here now in this meeting. Um, If you'd like to go back to your office or workspace and clean some things out, that's great. I recognize though that maybe in this moment you would just really like to get in your car and go home Mm -hmm. and talk with people that are closest to you. Um, If that's so, that's fine. Um, I'll reconnect with you tomorrow to see when a good time might be perhaps even off hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the, um, here's a box to gather your belongings and go, It's it feels very shaming. Mm-hmm. And I try oh, as sure. much as possible to reduce that level of shame. So the number of times that I'll have supervisors come back in the evenings, maybe on the weekends, you know, obviously I'd advise that there be two people there um, in case anything would happen. Um, but I try to reduce that level mm-hmm. that level of shame. When it comes to access, um, to protect the church and the organization, that does need to stop. And so keys, credit cards, cell phones, those sorts of things, they do need to be surrendered Mm -hmm. um, on the spot. Um, Depending upon the the type of behavior that's resulted in the termination, you may want to give people a chance to, if they've got personal email, mm-hmm. personal files. I know I keep my Christmas card list on my right <laughs> on my work computer. Just yeah. some real practical things right. that you know to give people a chance to remove just those elements, um, I think is fine. Uh, what we don't want to do though is you know, again, if it's involves theft or other mm-hmm. abuse of organizational resources, then because of the nature of that, you've lost that privilege mm-hmm. a little bit to to recollect those those pieces. But um, I really think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, another element I do is I, I make sure and tell the individuals that it's their story to share. Mm. And so however they want to bid farewell to their colleagues, I, I like to give them a chance to do that.
0: And what, speaking of that, then what is the role? I mean, if someone's there and gone, what what do you say to the congregation? Mm-hmm. How how much can you say? What, what do you do in that situation?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes what I do is I actually work in advance and negotiate with the person that's departing on a message okay. that both the church and the departing employee are comfortable with the congregation knowing. Um, sometimes, though, unfortunately, as much as the congregation would love to know more details, um, the best approach is just to say, you know, this individual, um, needed to move on. And, and then I quickly then shift the message to the future, Mm, you know, who, who do we go to now? Yeah. Um, with our, with our needs and questions in this area. And I try to drive it towards future oriented conversations as opposed to lingering on the person's departure.
0: Okay. Wow. This is great. I I feel like we could go on for a long Mm. time. I'm noticing (laughs) that, uh, our time is, is pretty short. Um what what resources can you point to you mentioned you 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 teased our audience with some <laughs> uh, some resources at the at the beginning what sure. what can they look for in the show notes that uh, might help them mm-hmm. uh, that you can point them to mm-hmm.
1: Definitely well I've uploaded or will be uploading a document that is just a general one-pager on best practices for interviews so again how do you deck it up how do you have a consistent process uh, for multiple people um, I've included um, a couple of pages on draft interview questions. Oh, great. So if I want to learn more about the person's communication or adaptability, what are some great questions to get at those particular competencies? Um, I've also included um, a short article that, um, that the Society for Human Resources produced uh, that talks about how to ask behavioral-based interview questions. So asking about how individuals have done things in the past mm. to help you determine what they might do in the future, and then for those really, really unfortunate circumstances where you do need to document um, some poor behavior, I've attached a template for for a warning um, that pastors and other leaders can fill in as a part of their use.
0: That's great. It occurs to me that maybe for some of our listeners, it it feels like this feels very corporate, mm. and yet, you know, we're churches are Christian organizations, mm-hmm. and we're working with Christians and. Mm-hmm. And so what, maybe as a kind of a final word, how do you, how do you conceive of that? You know, we want to live out kingdom values. We want to treat people as brothers and sisters and yet comply with the law and, mm-hmm. and not, you know, mm-hmm. get our institutions and organizations in, mm-hmm. in trouble. So, so how do you balance that, that kind of corporate feel and the, the mm-hmm. legal aspects of things with mm-hmm. kingdom, kingdom mm-hmm. values?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how I choose to look at it is um, when you've got the the legal pieces that you have to comply with, um, I look at that as almost the floor. And then the opportunity we have as believers to go above and beyond um, what is needed in those cases. So if you, again, look at a departing employee, the law says you can terminate them on the spot. Mm-hmm. But as a believer... Is that how we hmm. would want to treat people? Is that how Christ mm-hmm. would treat people? If you think about um, how he chose to uh, come alongside people who were struggling. Mm-hmm. And so even though the law allows some of those things, um, how can we best set that person up for success, maybe in a new position? And it's about going above and beyond. Hmm. It's about removing the shame. Yeah. Um, it's about helping them um, begin their journey towards healing. Um, in my mind, you're still abiding by the law, Mm -hmm. but you're also infusing some of Christ's love into Mm. the work that you're doing.
0: That's really, that's helpful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Well, Kara, thank you so much for being a part of this episode. I'm sure our listeners uh, will find it helpful and and engaging. Thank you for sharing your expertise with uh, with folks who don't necessarily have access mm-hmm. to human resources experts and mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking of a number of issues that we might have to get you back and uh, have <laughs> you have you come back and talk to us some more in the future.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely thank you for listening to whole and holy the bethel seminary podcast i want to encourage you to rate this podcast wherever you get podcasts by having a high rating it helps people to find us so if you would uh, go ahead and rate us we would appreciate that if you have comments or suggestions or feedback about the podcast including ideas for future episodes you can email email us at whole at bethel.edu there's a a hyphen between each word, so whole-and-holy dash and dash holy at Bethel.edu. We look forward to your input, and thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholeyatbethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.